0: welcome back to the showcase everybody i'm your host paris jackson on today's episode the bubble has started we have basketball back and we're so excited to start covering it so with all that being said we are going to start a brand new show here and i got some great segments coming up for you so sit back relax and enjoy the showcase That was some brand new tunage courtesy of OGD style, AKA Changis and JG boys from back in the day. Appreciate you guys doing that for me and, uh, giving some new, new life to the showcase here. And, you know, it's kind of nice having, a. Uh, couple weeks off where I was able to just kind of get out of the old mindset of watching these old games and click over to what we would be watching as this bubble started and the bubble's been crazy so far I mean it's been highly entertaining to watch it feels way more normal than uh, I think anybody was ready for and I think you know obviously some of it has to do with the fact that you know the camera angles are generally really tight with how close we look at a normal basketball game anyway, I mean, you, you think of how we normally watch basketball and you can maybe see the people that are sitting in the front row. Um, and that's about it. Maybe they're, their feet or if they stand up or something and then there's a bunch of cutaways to the fans and those were replaced by the virtual fans and we're not really missing anything i mean <laughs> the uh, the music cues are really on point and uh just all the other production has been really great to make these games seem as normal as possible i really liken it to like what the ufc did like if you watch UFC fights, they look almost exactly normal as well um, with, the you know, the very close cameras and, you know, not anything lacking except the fans, you know, no virtual fans on the UFC fights. But Fight Island, they got a few people like sitting out in the stands and making some noise when there's big hits and stuff like that. But, you know, I think the NBA did a great job. I think what also helps is like even though that they're playing on the same court, they use that technology that they use to like broadcast like the goal to go lines in football, you know, the first down lines that they broadcast, they use the same technology. Like I was watching the Memphis game today and it freaking just dawned on me that, you know, they don't repaint the court every single time, but they use that technology to make it look like the home court of whatever team that there's, they're supposed to be at. And I think that's adding to the normality of, you know, the, what is extremely Unnormal situation, and then you add to that just the level of scoring that has been prevalent in these first. You know, week of games, you know, and it's been awesome to watch. It's been great. It's like March Madness meets AAU basketball, played with professional players. And uh, I mean, you wake up, there's, you know, you got a couple hours, and there's games on it. You know, ten, ten, ten thirty. You know, with the work from home situation, it's been really nice because everybody's able to kind of click on the games, and as you're working, still be able to watch them. Now, of course, I'm back in the office, so, um, you know, I had to get, you know, NBA TV going on the on the office there but uh you know for everybody else that's working from home like you can have basketball in the background pretty much you know from 10:30 all the way to 9 p.m and it's been really competitive that's i think the only other thing that there was a level of uncertainty on how competitive these team these players would come out because if you think back to like the 2011 lockout or the 1999 lockout how players had really just taken that time off and i think the different the main difference between then and now is like now it's like eight eight games and like let's go if you're here you're pretty much in the playoffs you know minus you know five or six teams that might get left off um like the wizards who are just completely shit in the bed right now like they they almost shouldn't have been invited um but whatever you know and uh you know they're there and they're trying their best as well but they're a little bit depleted team nothing to hold against them but the level of play from everyone has just been absolutely outstanding to watch. And it's been really nice. It's been a nice return to basketball. Um, I thought what they did, you know, with the black lives matter demonstrations on Thursday were really, you know, well put together as well as like the level of commercials. The only thing I worry about is it reaching the level of, you know, almost being played out in a sense that, there's got to be some type of fatigue with people. Um, you know, there's all these causes that are coming up. Of course, we have everything that's going on in Lebanon and uh, you know, it continues to be it seems like every other week that we have something else <laughs> that we should be champion. Um, you know, whether it's uh the lives of black and brown people or the anti-ICE protests or equality for women or trans rights or, you know, the little Sarah McLaughlin puppies. And, you know, I don't mean to make light of it because a lot of these issues are valid and, you know, and my heart goes out to the people that were impacted by the the Lebanon explosion. But at the same time, it's like, you know, how many causes can one individual champion all at one time? You know, even it comes to mind as I'm speaking this, I left off uh, eco-conservatism, you know, like trying to save the environment and all these causes, it's like you get fatigue, you know, and uh, it's kind of nice to just be able to, like, zone out a little bit, focus on basketball, focus on some players. Um, You know, I think the jersey thing was a little well-intended, but I I think it, you know, at first they didn't have any players' names. It was a little bit confusing to try and come out of a long break and remember who, you know, the eighth man on a roster was. Um, But you mix that and just the general champion fatigue I guess for for lack of better words and, and it's uh it's almost a little too much you know that and and I say that with bated breath because I know how important all these causes are but I also know how important it is to have you know some type of uh reprieve from you know all these things or maybe just focus on one you know and I know different things are important to different people and the players are included and you know, Black Lives Matter is painted on the court and I think that's the the main focus of, of everything that's going on in twenty twenty and as it should be and um it's just, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, let's let's switch gears here, talk a little bit about get back to what we're talking about, about about just the level of play. I mean, these players definitely came in ready to play, like, hey, we're at the end of the season, you know, we got a few games to right the ship, maybe you know, jostle for some, for some seating. And then, you know, it's off to the races. We're going full steam into the playoffs. And I, so I think players, you know, came into shape, came in shape and um, are just ready to rock. It's kind of great. I also think that the familiarity with the different arenas is kind of nice. Like, you know, in a normal sense, it's harder to go on the road to a gym where you're only there, you know, two to four games a year and there's a bunch of fans the depth perception is different and expect to perform at a high level versus when you're at you know the same court for better lack of better term or three courts you know because there's three facilities there and you're at the same court day in and day out you know you get used to the hoop and uh you're able to just perform at higher level because you're, you're, you're better apt to shoot at these. So that's, that's what I, I think is having to do with it. I think there's also just an excitement to get back on the floor and, and show what people can do with like four, four months off when they're, you know, have a lot to play for. And it's vastly different than the beginning of the season. Like you come, you know, like. Cause you can argue like, Hey, at the beginning of the season, these guys come in with the same amount of rest that they're coming in now, but it's, it's so much different jumping in at this point than it is jumping in at the beginning of the season where, you know, you got, Hey, we got 82 games, you know, our schedule, you know, really doesn't, it begins in, you know, late October, early November, but it really doesn't matter until like January, we can kick it into high gear and then go ahead and, um, make it to the playoffs and have a chance to run at the title. But now it's like every single game matters. And uh, we've seen it. Like, you know, we're halfway through the quote-unquote bubble season and things are starting to get very real. The The playoff eight-seed race is really close, but, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. And, you know, the jostling from four to six in both the Eastern and Western conferences is largely determinant on the outcome of the last four games. And it's just been amazing to watch. And what's crazy is, back to the whole scoring thing, like, about the scoring, there's been so much scoring. Like, I th- I'm pretty sure every single game has had more than 100 points, and they're, if I had to take a guess, it'd be averaging somewhere around, you know, like 120 points per. Um, if you take the scores of all of them and put them all together, it's just been absolutely outstanding to freaking watch. It's been so much fun. Um... To what, like teams are averaging, you know, 110, 116, 118 points a game, and that's way up when you take the same numbers and compare them. So, you know, I'll give you uh, for the whole season, you know, the lowest scoring team was the Charlotte Hornets at 102.9 points per game. And just over the course of the last week, it's been vastly different with the lowest-scoring team scoring 105 on average, um, which, you know, it doesn't you know seem like a lot, three points, but, you know, that's the Washington Wizards. <laughs> like, on the other end of the spectrum, you had the Milwaukee Bucks from a season-long standpoint at 116 points, and they've actually been dethroned by the Blazers as the highest-scoring team in the bubble, and the Blazers are scoring about 125 points per game. Um, and it's been insane. So there's been a ton of scoring. And then on top of that, just in this five, like each team has played about four or five games, right? We've had eight different players hit career highs. Like, <laughs> I haven't made a list of it. It's, it's absolutely insane. So we have Bogdanovich on the Kings had a career high of 35. His teammate, De'Aaron Fox, had a career high of 39. The Spurs rookie, Keldon Johnson, had 20. Uh, another Celtics rookie had, uh, 18 Robert Williams, uh, Timothy Lawu Cabaro had 26, a career high Derek white, same number had a career high. Michael Porter jr had a career high of 37. Of course, I'm sure everybody's heard of TJ Warren with his career high of 53. Fred Van Vliet had a career high of 36. Um, some honorable mentions here, Damian Lillard had a career high threes made in a game with eleven. Uh, Grayson Allen had a career high three Mays, threes made with six, and then Luka Doncic and Dorian Finney Smith on the Mavs both had career highs in rebounds with twenty rebounds and sixteen rebounds respectively. And these players are showing out like and and like for a span of four to five games apiece for these twenty two teams, like that's like forty games, and basically every other game, or every third game, had a somebody scoring a career high. Like, I'm, these are stats. Like, you can see the scoring is up. Like, the the play is up. The level of play is up. The intensity is up. And it's just really been fun to watch. It's it's really been just amazing over the past week. Um, And maybe it's because you know we've been deprived of so much other stuff like going out, going to the bars, going to hang with friends, um, you know, in a big group setting that makes this seem so much better. But you know, the level of play has just been been really, really fun to watch. Um, So you know, let's just take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about you know what the rest of the bubble looks like for the Eastern Conference. All right, so the Eastern Conference definitely seems like it's way more settled, I would say, than the Western Conference, just in the fact that, like, the ninth seed is really useless at this point. Like, the Wizards have lost so many games that they are actually out of it. They actually have a worse winning percentage than the Hornets, who they beat out to get that ninth spot to even play in the bubble. So, like, all the games that they play really only service to upset what else could happen in the bubble <laughs> like if they were able to uh like upset you know whoever they might play um for the rest of things here but like I didn't even make a note of what the rest of their games are just because it's kind of pointless like they are without their two best players in Bradley Beal and John Wall and you know other than like Rui Hachimura getting you know just some more development and playing longer like these eight games that are pretty much meaningless for them, um, especially after dropping four straight. So, you know, other than them, um, and the playoffs are, are pretty much settled. I mean, the Bucks have the number one spot. Um, and they really had that huge comeback win against the Heat, which made me feel a lot better about them. Um, they dropped a game late against against the Rockets that they seemed to be, like, in fully control of, and they, they lost late. And that had me, like, a little bit worried, to be honest, about where they were going and where they could be, um, you know, down the line, especially, you know, the Rockets have been really scrappy. We'll talk about them in a minute. But the for the Bucks to have the number one seed, um, having that big win against the Heat where they were down 24 and then ended up coming back and winning by 12 in the fourth quarter um, really just had me, you know, have some more faith in them. So the Bucks next four, uh they play the Mavs tomorrow tomorrow which is Saturday and then they play the Raptors, the Wizards and the Grizzlies and honestly the only game I can see them losing is maybe to the Raptors which I doubt. Um so I think I have them going 3 and 1 the rest of the time throughout the 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 playoffs and even if they dropped all four games, they would still be in a position to have the one seed like they they pretty much have it clinched i think it's not mathematical yet per se but i don't think i don't foresee them getting out of that one spot um and the same can be said really for the raptors the raptors pretty much have the number two spot clinched unless something major happens you know they're they're far and away from the celtics who are the three seed that has them but the raptors have just been really impressive they've gotten a bunch of wins um in the bubble. They're three and 0 They're actually the only undefeated team in the Eastern Conference with big wins over, you know, the Lakers and I believe the Bucks actually, if I'm remembering correctly. And throughout the playoff, throughout this bubble, they've just shown that they've really had a good team put together. And um a lot of people didn't expect that, you know, after Kawhi left and I know it's been the talk of the the whole the whole season how well the Raptors have been doing but you know it just really goes to show what they've been able to do and the and the thing is is that the raptors have been doing it not with offense but with defense so they're 3 and 0 and actually in the bubble they are 19th in scoring um They have only scored 107.7 points per game only, right? Um, (laughs) uh, You know, but they've shown that they have been able to play basically half court basketball. I mean, they're 16th in field goal percentage. They are, you know, 19th in overall scoring. And they've just been shown that they can drain the three ball and play defense. They're fourth in overall three point percentage, but... What they've been able to do is just stop the opposing team from scoring. And they've won a lot of close games, but, you know, I mean, they've only played three. So it's not like they have a huge set of data to go from. So, And just for fair warning for the rest of the the podcast here, I'm just going to be talking about the numbers in the bubble. Because I think it shows much different than if we take a look at what's been happening over the whole season. But just looking at what's been happening in the bubble, they're, you know, have shown really well. And I think that's why a lot of people are hyped on them. But I don't think that it shows in the sense of, you know, they don't really have, like, a super, super star player. I mean, they have Siakam. They have Kyle Lowry playing well. They have Fred VanVleet, who's starting to show that he can actually be a starter on a team. and um, But really, they have the defense, that would, you know, defense wins championships, but, like, it's serious, like, they could actually make a serious run in the Eastern Conference, um, especially, you know, like I mentioned about the Bucks. if the Bucks continue to play as they have, minus the Heat game, then, you know, they have a real chance of upsetting a lot of people and moving on. So, okay, so that's the one and two seeds. Same kind of story for the Celtics in the three seed, though. The, um, the Celtics have basically separated themselves they're four and a half games behind the raptors so they're not going to catch them um and they are also too far ahead of the heat who are the four seed to be caught in these last final games so they're they're pretty much locked into the the three seed unless something major happens but almost the same thing for them they the celtics are third in the league for three-point shooting and from but the difference between them and the Raptors though, is that they just have a really high powered offense. They actually have the second highest scoring offense in the bubble with 124 points per game, um, on what I believe is 48% shooting. Yep. I got to read my own notes. Sometimes you ever write some things down and then you just can't read them. That happens to me all the time. It's funny. I went and, um, was signing some paperwork the other day, and the the lady that was doing the paperwork was like, "Hey, are you a doctor?" And you just, she was making the old, really old timey joke, um, just because my handwriting was so bad and my signature was so bad. And I said, "Nope, I'm just a young person that texts all the time." And uh, yeah, yeah. So that was a bad joke, but <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. My handwriting's terrible, and I can't even read it half the time. So anyway, um, back to the Celtics. I think that they have, you know, found two star players in Tatum and Brown. Um, you know, Kemba Walker does come back. And most of this his play has been without Kemba Walker. I think he's only played one game. Um, and they've been able to pull out some big wins. They're 2-1 here in the bubble. Excuse me, 2-2 two two in the bubble. And, um, you know, pretty much have the 3-seed locked up. So not much to talk about there. 4-6 through six is, I think, where it gets a little bit more interesting. The Heat Pacers and Sixers all have very similar records Um, and the Sixers unfortunately are dealing with that Ben Simmons injury he's he's not returned to play as of now and could experience a season-ending scope on his knee and that's where I think you know the Sixers might be in trouble because they hadn't been able to figure out things with Simmons on the court so now without him you know they might be in some real trouble Um, and conversely the Heat for whatever reason the Heat haven't been the team that I expected them to be coming into the bubble. Like, coming into the bubble, I thought they were going to be a sleeper team that was able to, you know, upset a lot of brackets. But they are 16th in overall scoring and 14th field goal percentage. And what's really like killing them is just the amount of points that they're allowing from a plus minus. Percentage, the differential is only two. Um, and they're two and two basically. So they, they are in a lot of good close games and they blow a lot of close games. I mean, you know, on the converse, on the other side, we were talking about how the Bucks had that big comeback win and it was against the Heat. I mean, they haven't been able to really, um, string together like some serious offense. Maybe they're still trying to figure out a few things. Bam Adebayo hasn't really played up to his potential. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler was missing a, for a game or two due to what I think is a protest on the jersey protest. I know he wanted to come out with with nothing on his jersey, and um, I was listening to a pod the other day that made mention of how it was such a big deal for him to, you know, not have anything on his jersey, and they made him at least put his name if he wasn't going to use any of the pre-described uh, phrases on his jersey and you know for whatever reason that was a big enough deal for him to sit out another game. So, you know, I think he's going to figure that out though. I honestly think that he's going to figure that out and come back to play. Eric Spoelstra is a hell of a coach. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out. I I have them locking up that fourth seed. So, you know, I mean, the rest of their games are the Suns, the Pacers, the Thunder and the Pacers again. And I mean, I think they they would beat the Pacers both times and potentially beat the Thunder, who actually just lost to the Grizzlies, you know, as I was getting ready for this pod, um, and then the Suns, you know, the Suns have been playing really well, and I'll talk about them when we talk about the West, but um, I think the Hico 3-1 and one, and lock up that fourth seed, conversely, the Pacers have just been kind of looking out of whack, I mean, yeah, shout out TJ Warren, he's actually, like, the leading scorer in the NBA bubble, um, if you can believe that, pretty much nobody saw that coming, but it's, he's been the talk of the town for all the news sports media outlets just because from a scoring standpoint he's just been going absolutely bonkers but the next four for the Pacers are really tough the the Pacers play the Lakers the Heat the Rockets and the Heat again and I think they lose both those Heat games and the Rockets have shown that they they can run they can run they can play defense they can sh- shoot the lights out um they're going to shoot a lot but it's funny like that's how Mike D'Antoni's teams worked like if you remember back to like 2005 2006 those like Nash Boris Diaw, you know uh, Sean Marion years like that's how the Suns operated they were like seven seconds or less you know to get a shot off and they just basically outran whoever they played and had these really high scoring games and would come out victorious and that's kind of how the Rockets operate now with this small ball scenario, and and it's kind of working for them. They've they've had some big wins and all that. Um, so, you know, the Pacers aren't going to have an easy game when they play the Rockets um, in their second-to-last game. So, you know, I have them going 1-of-3, but I also have the Sixers going 1-of-3. I think that, uh, you know, based on their next four and how they haven't been able to figure anything out, I think Brett Brown is just not a very good coach and they just have a lot of pieces that don't add up to you know their sum isn't made up of more than their individual pieces or you know how that phrase goes where it's like the sum is greater than the the total parts combined or whatever the phrase is you know what I'm talking about but like their individual pieces are good like Joel Embiid is good Al Horford you know veteran but good everybody was on the Shake Milton bus and like he had a big time shot Um, earlier in the bubble, but the Sixers just haven't been able to figure it out, and I have to think it's the coaching more so than it is the actual players. Um, That being said, I have watched the Sixers, and they've had close games against the Magic and some other teams in the bubble, the Wizards, that they really shouldn't be having close games with, uh, especially if they're locked in a playoff mode. So their next four are the Magic, who they're playing right now, pretty closely, <laughs> than the Blazers, the Suns, and the Raptors, and, uh, you know, I have them going 1-3 for the rest of this bubble scenario, and I don't think that's very far off. I mean, the Suns have been playing well, the Blazers have been playing well, and uh, who knows what will happen in that, that last Raptors game. Maybe they'll rest their players, so, you know, but right now, I'm trying to pull up the scores while I have them in, in front of me, but, you know, they're not bearing that well against the magic they're down two at halftime you know so um with all that being said they might go one and three for the rest of the series and then just fall into that sixth seed um and then if ben simmons and is gone that's that's about it so the last real like mystery in the eastern conference is going to be the seventh and eighth seeds and it's they're basically the nets of the magic flip back and forth between the eighth and seventh um, but I don't think it matters too much based on who they're going to have to face in the first round. I think that the Magic may fare a little bit better against the Raptors should they lock in that 7 seed than they would the Bucks, just because, and this is true of the Nets as well, but neither team really has like a big that can go up against Giannis, the Lopez brothers, and everything else the Bucks have um, or keep up with the 3-point shooting as, as well as like they could against the smaller Raptors, and I say that thinking about, you know, Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka and, you know, all the other, you know, veteran players that the Raptors have. But, either way, it doesn't matter. I think losing Jonathan Isaacs for the Magic was a major blow. And, uh, wall better, I don't think Markel Fultz has really blossomed into the player that everybody thought he would, you know, two years ago. He's still not there yet. Better, more confident for sure, but still not there yet. So, with all that being said, the, the Magics next four, you know, right now they're playing the 76ers and they're up two. They could win this game. Um, but then they play the Celtics, the Nets, and the Pelicans. And I really think that Nets game will decide who gets seated where. Um, and then next four for the Nets are, you know, the Kings who actually, if I have this right, they actually beat them, right? So they already have that one in the bag, but I had them winning that game anyway. And then... After that, they play the Clippers, the Magic, and the Blazers. So, I have the Nets beating the Magic, and them going two and two to finish with the seventh seed. So, if we're looking at the playoffs and what I have, Matt, there's not going to be a play-in. The Wizards just—they're just don't even worry about them. That they're not going to get a play-in spot. They're seven, six and a half games out of eighth seed, so they're not even going to get a play-in. So the matchups for the first round of the playoffs, if, you know, everything goes as I think, the Bucks will play the Magic, the Raptors will play the Nets, the Celtics will play the Sixers, and then the Heat will play the Pacers. That's what I have as our first round, and I think most people would agree. So, and that's why I'm saying the East Con- Eastern Conference is really boring, <laughs> because, I mean, we I figure we all know how it's going to play out, um, and that one's pretty much set. But I think where it really gets interesting is the Western Conference. But before we get to that, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about the West. All right, moving on to the Western Conference. It's uh, the top spot is taken by the Lakers, which I think a lot of people had predicted and known. They're, as of right now, they're the only clinched position. Um, out of all this so everything else is likely to change but the Lakers are actually the lowest scoring team in the bubble and that may be because of the minute restriction that you know Frank Vogel has everyone on it's a, an unofficial minute restriction but like you know LeBron took a game off AD seemed like he took a game off when he only had 9 points i think in 16 minutes or something like that and then the rest of the Lakers nobody's really like stepped up like crazy and it's funny i was watching the Lakers Rockets game yesterday where with LeBron sitting out and Reggie Miller made a good point of like Kyle Kuzma has to step up in a big way. If this Lakers team is really going to be a championship contender. Um, but as of right now, I mean, they have, they have the top spot locked. They're cruising. I would be surprised if, if they don't just take the rest of the bubble off, maybe take the last game, second to last game seriously, or second and third to last game seriously. Um, but, I mean, they only got three games left. They've already played five, and uh, they have the Pacers, Nuggets, and Kings to round out the, their experience at the bubble. So I think, you know, maybe if they play the Nuggets competitively and then sack off on the Pacers and Kings, I can definitely see that. I still think, no matter what, they probably finish 2-1, and one, um, just because I think the Kings will probably drop the game, and then they'll probably split the games between Pacers and Nuggets depending on how they, you know, rest their players and how Frank Vogel dishes out the minutes and the low shooting percentage is really something to be concerned about. Um, And the minutes when AD and LeBron are off the floor. Now we've seen, you know, playoff series and whole playoff runs where LeBron can average, you know, 40, 45 minutes. Um, Haven't really seen AD do that yet just because we haven't seen too many crazy playoff series. But we remember, you know, back a few years ago where they swept the Blazers and AD was like a big part of that with, basically a no-name team around him. Um, So excited to see where that goes. You know, I know I got a lot of Laker fan friends, so uh, of course (laughs) they're jockeying, but I'm definitely off the Lakers bandwagon in a way that I wasn't before I saw them play. I think I put a lot of stock in in just LeBron and ADD's ability, but the way that they've just been in some close games through these five games that we've been able to see, you know, doesn't really have me convinced that, They're going to be a real championship contender. So um, talking about the two-seed now, the Clippers have the two-seed, and they have been a roller coaster of a team to watch. I mean, it's very hard to gauge when they're going to be coming in hot and when they're going to be coming in cold. I mean, they played a very close game against the Suns where Devin Booker hit the game winner, and then they turn around and just blow out another team the very next day and it's kind of been like that you know (laughs) the whole bubble ride um one game up one game down one game up one game down um but the game they played against the lakers to open up the bubble was very very tight as well so like they play good teams very closely and then they take take the foot off the gas for the bad teams um but their next four are pretty tough i mean they play the blazers then they play the nets and the nuggets and the thunder and granted those last two games some things might be settled So, you know, we may see them kind of sag off, but they could very easily lose that two-seed spot with, you know, no problem. So um, I would be, you know, concerned if I was Doc Rivers about letting him sag off too much. But at the same time, you kind of got to rest Kawhi. Um, I mean, they're a game and a half ahead of the Nuggets as we record this. So, you know, they do have a little bit of breathing room with four games to play. But, uh, you know, with two and two on the record and potentially – being two and two to close out the rest of the, the series. I mean, they sure as hell don't have as much to play for as the Blazers do. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. And then the Nuggets right behind them have shown some really good play. I mean, Jokic, everybody talked about how skinny Jokic was, but he looks exactly the same (laughs) as when the regular season was on. And, uh, so that was, you know, it's good to see that he was just pretty much normal size and they're getting really good play out of Michael Porter Jr, their rookie who's finally, you know, not as injury ridden as he was throughout the season and has gotten some really good rotation minutes and been able to show what he's done. But at the same time, the Nuggets are missing some key players that who when they come back, you know, maybe Michael Porter doesn't get as much playing time but either way i think they're in a pretty good position so they're battling for the second seed and then right behind them the rockets thunder and jazz are within striking distance i mean they're all you know the rockets are a game and a half behind them but they've shown that they're they came to play they're three and one and the jazz are half a game behind that the thunder i've separated a little bit more um with the loss to the grizzlies today but uh Either way, you know, all these teams are within within striking distance and show that they're ready to go. So, you know, they could end up, you know, four, five, six in any order. I think the the Rockets will likely eclipse the Nuggets based on the next four out. And then I think behind them the Thunder probably won't play as well without Dennis Schroeder. So they'll stay where they're at. So I think what it will be is the Rockets will finish with the three seed. The Nuggets will be fourth. Jazz will stay in the fifth seed and the Thunder will retain the sixth seed, which leaves the Mavericks in the seventh seed. And honestly, like the Mavericks have been kind of disappointing to watch their 20th overall in three point percentage. But fourth overall in scoring, they jack up a lot of threes. They, they jack up the second most amount of threes in the bubble um, after the Rockets were just averaging 55 a game, which is absolutely nuts. Um, and, you know, Luka Doncic has been playing really well. Like, you would even describe him as the bubble MVP, either him or Damian Lillard. Maybe James Harden as well. Those, those three would definitely be in the top running for bubble MVP. But the Mavs as a unit have just shown that they can't really close out games. They lost two very close games. Like one where they were up against the Rockets late and the Rockets forced overtime. And after that, you know, in overtime, they just got absolutely dominated. And then they dropped another close game, you know, not too long after that. So with all that being said, like the the Mavs are 1-3 in the bubble so far and don't really show any signs of getting any better. So um, I'd be concerned watching them. But either way, they're in the playoffs. They have the 7th seed locked. So, you know, 1 one is locked, 7 is locked. 2 through 6 is a toss-up and can end up in any way. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. So you'll probably get, you know, the, um, the Lakers playing, and we'll talk about, you know, the 8th seed in a second, and then the Clippers playing the Mavs. I think you know the Rockets would then play the thunder and then the jazz and the Nuggets would face off in the four or five um which are some great matchups, and we'll talk about that you know once everything is finalized, but the last thing to talk about here is this race for the eight seed, which has just been <laughs> it's every every day we have a new scenario every single day um including today, like I was getting ready to do the show today and the Grizzlies had not won a game and they were down by 20 to the thunder and end up coming back and winning. But their next three are really tough. They're really tough. Um, And, you know, right now they're 33 and 37 with three games left to play. And they play the Raptors, the Celtics and the Bucks to close out the season. Um, And they're only half a game ahead of the Blazers right now. So, you know, the Blazers are in a a, a prime position. Sorry, we game ahead of the Blazers. And the Blazers are in a prime position because of, of the way that they've been playing lately to almost eclipse them. I think they might, honestly. like Because the Blazers just look like a brand new team with like Nurkic and Zach Collins on the floor. You know, I remember I was debating this with a couple of Blazer fan buddies. And of course, they're total homers. Malky Britt, you know who you are. Um, and, you know, they're talking about how... You know when these players come back, blah 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 blah, and like I wasn't really bought into it, but seeing you know Nurkic score twenty five points, you know, and Zach Collins add some things, he's just a dog getting rebounds. <laughs> like, um, you know, I'm starting to believe in the Blazers a little bit more than I did before the bu- bubble bubble start. The only thing, there's two things about the Blazers that really concern me. One, the first is that they play teams really closely um you know their only lost here in the bubble was that celtics game where they got down 24 and then they came back but then they couldn't hold on in the end um and ended up you know losing the game and then their other wins have not really been blowouts i think they maybe played the nets once and, and blew them out but the other two were very close games as well um and then the other thing that we'd be concerned about is that during the regular season cj and dame you know, averaged about like 36 minutes a game, and that's gone all the way up to 42. So, Dame and CJ are, are averaging the most out of not only any backcourt, but out of any two players. They're literally number one and number two on minutes played per average. So, I would really be concerned about that. And maybe it's because they had an overtime game or two here, but still, I would be really concerned with the amount of minutes they're playing. But their next four are the Clippers, the 76ers, the Mavs, and the Nets. And... Depending upon how the Clippers play tomorrow, they could win out and get that eighth seed. Especially if the Grizzlies, you know, lose two of the out of their next three games, the Blazers could get the eighth seed. Um, and then it's kind of like a race for nine. After that, uh, the Spurs, <laughs> the Spurs literally just won't go away. Um, even with gets Alders out, the Spurs just continue to stay competitive, and uh, I could see them sneaking into a spot their next four um well they actually beat the jazz today uh and then they play the pelicans then the rockets and then the jazz i don't think they'll beat the rockets the pelicans spurs game is a huge game to watch i think that game is on sunday so if you have the ability to watch it i definitely would um because it may determine a lot of things and then i think they'll split the games with the jazz so they beat the jazz today i think they they won't beat them in, to close out the season um and then the Suns same thing the Suns have been a, it's a, it's a biggest surprise team they're 4-0 in the bubble um but I, I keep thinking back to the beginning of the season when the Suns started like 5-0 um and then lost like a bunch of games after that to be like 5-7 and or something like that or like 7-8 um and everybody was super high on the Suns um who've been playing extremely well scoring a ton of points but um like I just keep thinking back to the beginning of the season and thinking that they can't sustain this. So they, they are probably going to lose. Um, the Suns next four or two are the Heat, the Thunder, the Sixers, and the Mavs, um, which if they go two and two, I think I'm being generous giving them that. So I think they'll finish the bubble six and two, which is probably the best record. Um, but they're not really in a position to, you know, steal the ninth seed uh, unless they win. You know, if they beat the Heat tomorrow, I think I will have to eat crow and, you know, completely flipped the script, but um, I don't think they're in a position to come back. Plus, they don't have many tiebreakers. So, um, you know, kudos to them to, to right now being the only undefeated team in, in the Western Conference, but they don't have it. And then the Pelicans, unfortunately, have just dropped a few too many games. Um, I think they'd have to win out, right? Which is very possible, actually. So with Zion getting the ability to play more minutes and, you know, the rest of the team doing well, I did see J.J. Redick, kind of come up with the ankle sprain and you know i was listening to a pod the other day that said he's like one of the with him on the court the the because of the spacing um the pelicans are just able to do a lot a lot more but the pelicans next four are the wizards the spurs the kings and the magic and i think they at least go three one maybe four and o, and that's what makes this race so interesting because it's it's basically out of these six teams it's whoever can win the most, and the six being the Kings. And uh, unfortunately for the Kings, they lost today. So, um, and their next three are the Rockets, Pelicans, and Lakers. So I think that they uh, they're probably out. If I had to pick two, that would be out. I would say the Suns and the Kings most likely are out. Um, the Spurs are just have great coaching and just kind of won't go away. And then um, can't count out the Pelicans just yet. But I would like to see the Suns and the Blazers play a play in game. That would be ideal. Um, But I just think that's where we're at. And the Grizzlies, unfortunately, just have a a really tough schedule to get out of this. Um, But that's it. That's everything. So I think in reality, what will really happen is the Blazers will sneak into the eighth seed, and the Grizzlies will have the ninth seed. And then the Blazers will just have to beat them once. And then, so that leaves the matchups being, you know, the Lakers versus the Blazers in round one the Clippers playing the Mavs the Rockets will then play the Thunder and then the Jazz will play the Nuggets to be the first round of the Western Conference playoffs and we'll see if I'm right hey write this one down for next week and if I'm right great um and if I'm wrong we'll talk about kind of what happened but uh you know shout out again to JG and Angus for uh the new music that we're playing out here and uh that's it guys thanks for hanging out with me on the showcase hope you ever had a good time and uh we'll see you next week